Salvation is of the Lord. It's His power. Someone asked an old preacher, what must I do to be saved? He said, it's too late. He said, no. Just because the meeting is over can't be too late. He said, it's too late. You want to know what you must do to be saved? And I will tell you that you're hundreds of years too late. The work of salvation is done, completed, finished. It was finished on the cross. Jesus said so with the last breath that He drew. What more do you want? (laughs) You know, that is so true. Our Lord didn't make us savable. He saved us. We just didn't know about it until the Holy Spirit enlightens our minds revealing Christ to us and what He has accomplished for us. That's when we're delivered from the power of darkness. But salvation was God's plan from all eternity executed by His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary 2,000 years ago. And so we enter into a finished work. Would you please turn to Isaiah chapter 10. We're going through the book of Isaiah. And it's been a while because of our trip back east since we've been in the studies. But I want to continue in that this morning and in the weeks to come. Someone said, no matter what you discover or the amount of study you put into something, no matter how you analyze it, there's always more to learn about anything. Now that is exactly true when it comes to the study of God's Word. We know that the Lord has revealed His Gospel to us. We know Christ has been made known to us. We know He's Jehovah God, our Creator, who came to this world for the purpose of redeeming His people from the curse of the law. But the Word of God tells us that there are some who have a form of godliness ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We have come to that because of God's enlightening power. But I've said this before and it's so true. The more I study, the more I realize how much I don't know. The Word of God is a living Word. And Christ is on every page of Holy Scripture. And it just behooves us, brethren, to have this in our mind when we're reading the Scriptures. I don't care where we are, in the book of Genesis or in the book of Revelation or anywhere in between, our desire should be to see Jesus Christ on the holy pages of His Bible that we might see more of Him and learn more of Him. Our last lesson from Isaiah 10 took us down through verse 22. Let me read verses 20 through 22 in your hearing just to recap a couple of things. It says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as are escaped of the house of Jacob shall no more again stay upon him that smote them, but shall stay upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. The remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty God. For though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return. The consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. And 
That last message that we preached from this 10th chapter of Isaiah was entitled, Return of God's Remnant. And in that message we brought out several truths. In that day has reference to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ during the gospel age, which the gospel age, as far as the New Testament saints are concerned, took place during the days of our Savior while He was here on this earth. And after He was crucified, He lodged out His apostles preaching His gospel as it is set forth by His prophets in the Holy Scriptures in the Old Testament. So the remnant of Israel refers to God's chosen blood-bought children. The house of Jacob is spiritual Israel. We brought this out in our last lesson. God's church is the house of Israel, His chosen blood-bought children. And His enlightened saints have no confidence in the flesh. We, We lean on Christ. We hold on to Him. He's our strength. He's our all. If we have Him, we have it all. The return of God's remnant is speaking of the miracle of the new birth, that glorious day when God the Holy Spirit enlightens our minds. And this is a result of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. God sends the Spirit of His Son into our hearts to guide us into all truths. We we don't have any clue as to what the gospel is until the Holy Spirit reveals that to us. And so many folks today think that we have to do something before we receive the Holy Spirit. The only thing we can do before we receive the Holy Spirit is drink iniquity like water and just run from God and hate God. But when we receive the Spirit of adoption, when we cry out, Abba, Father, then God, by His Spirit dwelling in us, guides us into all truths. Now, the word consumption, like I brought out in my last lesson from this 10th chapter, means destruction, to destroy. And there was a destruction of Jerusalem when the Jews went into the Babylonian captivity. But that's historical. And I mentioned this already in our last lesson, but let me say this again. If all we get out of these Old Testament writings as the historical account, we've missed it. All of this has spiritual meaning. All of this points to Christ and His church. And our Sovereign Lord destroys every hope that we think we have when He deals with us, when He convicts us of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. He takes away all those false props that we were leaning on And deals with us in such a way that we bow down before Him with everything that we ever hoped for completely destroyed. That's the consumption. And when He does that, God has prepared us to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Now the title of this morning's message is Be Not Afraid. And those words are found in verse 24. But follow along with me as I walk us through the remaining verses of this 10th chapter of Isaiah. Then I want to take us into the New Testament for a brief time to show you some things that I believe is so very vital to our spiritual understanding and for the glory of our God. Verse 23 says, For the Lord God of hosts shall make a consumption even determined in the midst of all the land. So continuing with the spiritual meaning of the deliverance of God's elect during the gospel age, verse 23 is declaring 
that God Himself has determined the salvation of His people. We heard this in Sunday school this morning already. We heard in Brother Ray Bennett's devotional how our Lord Jesus said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. So God's eternal decree will be executed by His own sovereign power. The perfect redeeming work of Jesus Christ will be revealed to God's children at His appointed time of love for us. And we will come out of darkness when He commands the light to shine in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, which we by faith embrace because of God's grace. Now verse 24 says, Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, O my people that dwellest in Zion, be not afraid of the Assyrian. He shall smite thee with the rod and shall lift up his staff against thee after the manner of Egypt. Now God's remnant, His chosen people, were encouraged by God Himself during the troublesome times that was upon them during Isaiah's writings here, God's remnant were encouraged to be not afraid. Now, I just encourage you to give some thought to that because that was no easy thing they were going through. That wicked king, that wicked king of Assyria and his mighty army was marching toward them and the people knew that. And he determined in his mind to destroy Jerusalem. But the Assyrians were nothing but a whipping stick used by God. They were a rod in the hands of Almighty God, bringing righteous judgment against those rebellious Israelites. And when God was through with that wicked king, he was going to destroy him and his army. Now, in every generation, God's saints, those who have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, are encouraged by God Himself not to be afraid of what people can do unto us. We're to fear God. That's a reverential fear, of course. But don't fear what man can do to us. Like Brother Steve said this morning in quoting Henry Mahan, we're as sure of heaven as if we're already there. And if they destroy the body, that's all they can do. But God, and we were just singing that wonderful song, It Is Well With My Soul. God has promised us that when this old body lays down in death, we'll be in the presence of King Jesus and see Him in all of His glory. So we're safe in the arms of the true and living God, the Lord Jesus Christ. All things are under the feet of King Jesus. He reigns over this whole Universe and everything in it, angels and authorities and powers have been made subject unto the risen, exalted King, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is seated on His throne of power at this very moment. Has been ever since the God-Man rose from the grave. Verse 23 says, For yet a very little while, and the indignation shall cease, and mine anger in their destruction." And just a short time after these prophetic statements were made, that wicked king Sennacherib and his army 
that came up against Jerusalem was destroyed by an angel. And we looked at this, we considered this in our last lesson, and I read 2 Kings 19 verses 30 through 35 in your hearing, which gives the account of that. And I want to read that again because it's so important. It says in that passage of Scripture, and the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall yet again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant and they that escape out of Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. And it came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when they arose early in the morning, Behold, they were all dead corpse. Does that sound like God loves all the sons and daughters of Adam's posterity? Does that sound like God loves everybody? No. No, God has a purpose for all that He is doing and, and He had a purpose when He raised up that wicked king and that purpose was fulfilled and then God destroyed him. He did go back the way he came. And when he got back to his own city and went into the temple to worship his false god, our Lord Jesus moved. Now I'm saying this, I have chosen my words deliberately. Our Lord Jesus moved the two sons of that wicked king to go into him and kill him while he was worshiping his false god. The instruments of death are ordained by God. And that wicked king went to his appointed place. So the rod of God's anger was carried out. His indignation passed through the destruction of the enemies of his people. Now take that and apply it to our Lord's sword of justice that He plunged into the heart of His darling Son when He hung there on that cross at Calvary 2,000 years ago. God's anger was appeased through the sufferings of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not angry with His people. The indignation is over. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. God has purged our sins as far as the east is from the west. And He remembers them against us no more through the perfect redeeming work of Christ our Savior. All the writing of ordinances that was against us have been blotted out. Does that bless you? <laughs> God Himself took them out of the way when He nailed them to our Savior while He hung there on that cruel cross. And like Noah, all of God's saints have found grace in His eyes. It's grace. God's grace. 
has revealed to us the wonderful redemption that's ours through Christ our Savior. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the sin-atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 26 says, And the Lord of hosts shall stir up a scourge for him according to the slaughter of Median at the rock of Oreb. And his rod was upon the sea, and as his rod was upon the sea, so shall he lift it up after the manner of Egypt. So the scourge, the whip that God himself stirred up against the Assyrian monarch to destroy him and his army was like we already mentioned, the angel that was sent from God. And God likens that destruction to the slaughter of Median, which took place during the days of uh, Gideon. And his rod upon the sea refers to the waters of the Red Sea. Remember how he parted the Red Sea and, and the Israelites walked across without getting any mud on their feet. And then when they were safely across, of course, Pharaoh and his whole Egyptian army dared to pursue God's chosen people and God just brought the waters down on them, drowning every one of them in the Red Sea. Now, God has not changed, brethren. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still on His sovereign throne of power, doing what pleases Him, doing all things after the counsel of His own will. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And God does according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay His hand or even bring Him into question for what He does. Verse 27 says, And it shall come to pass in that day that His burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and His yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And so God encourages that remnant during Isaiah's day to be not afraid. King Hezekiah and the Israelites were paying tribute to that wicked king of Assyria. And uh, the yoke was upon their neck. They had no choice but to do what that monarch dictated to them to do. But the spiritual meaning is the removal of our sins from God's sight forever through Jesus Christ our Savior, God's anointed. The burden of the guilt and punishment that we rightly deserve because we have sinned against our God has been lifted from us. We bear that no more. It was laid upon Christ our Savior who was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And the yoke of the law and the yoke of bondage has been taken away from spiritual Israel. We, we don't bear that anymore. We're, we're free. The Lord Jesus Christ has set us free. If we believe God, if we believe that He has delivered us from bondage that we were under, that we were in, to what I call spiritual Egypt, we have no reason to fear anything. No reason. Be not afraid is God's word to His promised children. Brethren, if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him freely give us all things? God has justified us. Do you believe that? I believe that. I believe I stand before God, my standing before Him, not my state, I'm a sinner. And I am aware of this 24-7. 
But my standing before God, as Brother Steve brought out in Sunday school, is perfect. Dressed in the righteousness of Christ with His blood removing every spot and stain, we're as holy as Jesus Christ Himself in God's sight. That's our standing. So we're, we're encouraged by God. Be not afraid. Look at verses 28 and 29. He has come to Ai or Ajath. He has passed to Migron at Michmash. He hath laid up his carriages. They are gone over the passage. They have taken up their lodging at Giba. Rama is afraid. Gibeah of Saul is fled. Lift up thy voice, O daughter of Gehem. Gehem, gather themselves to flee. Amen. Lift up thy voice, O daughter of Gehem. Cause it to be heard unto Laish. O poor Anathoth. Madnana has removed the inhabitants of Gibbonham, gather themselves to flee. As yet shall he remain at Nob that day. He shall shake his hand against the mount of the daughter of Zion, the hill of Jerusalem. And these verses are prophesying. These are prophetical uh, verses that tell of how this wicked king was going to come to Jerusalem. It's giving us an account of each step he was going to take and how the inhabitants of certain cities would tremble and even flee because of him and his mighty army that was marching through the land. God determined the steps of that wicked king and his army right up to the gates of Jerusalem before he destroyed him. Now if that's true, and it is, then we see through God's writings that we have nothing to be afraid of. Those people in Jerusalem, I know they had to be trembling in their boots. But God promised them that not an arrow would be turned loose in that city. And He fulfilled His promise. Now listen to me. We're traveling through a wicked world. This pilgrimage journey we're on takes us into the midst of people who viciously hate our Christ and His Gospel. We're surrounded on every side by those who blatantly deny God and hate His people. I just saw recently where a young man was carrying a big poster board and the words that were written on it said if Jesus Christ comes back kill him again that's what they think of our Savior and that's the same enmity that was in our hearts before the Lord gave us a new heart now because of his grace we have embraced Christ and his gospel and we see that the world is just full of wickedness. But every path that those wicked people are walking on, every step they take, everything they do is under the sovereign control of King Jesus. God has set His King upon His holy hill of Zion and He just laughs at them, has them in derision. To think 
that they can overthrow the kingdom of God. They stand shaking their fist in his face like this wicked king of Assyria was doing towards the inhabitants of Jerusalem, thinking that, boy, by my power I'll destroy them, I'll show them. All the evil forces of darkness, all the wicked people of this world, all of them put together, one little word from King Jesus, and it's all over. We're no match for the enemy. We're no match for the evil forces of darkness. But we don't have to be. We have the captain of our soul who's taken care of all of that for us. All of our enemies are under His sovereign control. He has already destroyed Satan. We read that in the Scriptures. He, our Lord Jesus, through death, destroyed him that has the power of death, that is the devil. Yes, he still goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but he can only go as far as God allows him to go. All of the evil forces of darkness are like the waves of the sea. They can only go so far and that's it. I've said this before, but it's so true. They're just like dogs on a leash. They can only go as far as that leash. God brings them in check. Aren't you thankful for the restraining hand of God? Oh my. Oh my. What a terrible world this is already. And if God removed His restraining hand, and He's doing that, by the way. I see it being lifted and men becoming worse and worse. But God is still on His throne. Be not afraid. Look at verses 33 and 34. That wicked king thought he was something, but our Lord says, Behold, the Lord the Lord of hosts shall lop the bow with terror, and the high ones of stature shall be hewn down, and the haughty shall be humbled, and he shall cut down the thickets of the forest with iron, and Lebanon shall fall by a mighty one. So the mighty generals and the officers of that army just... They woke up one morning and they were dead. 185,000 of those soldiers were dead. And the king fled for his life. And like I said earlier, he was killed by his own two sons. So God took care of that. Now I want to take you over to John chapter 11. Just give me a few more minutes of your time. Our subject this morning is addressed to God's enlightened children. Be not afraid. And if you're in Christ, you have absolutely no reason to be afraid. But if you're not in Christ, you have every reason to be afraid. The scripture on the front of this morning's bulletin is taken from John 14, 1-3 and John 17, 24, where we read, Let not your heart be troubled, our Lord says to His disciples. Ye believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Then we read in John 17, 24, where our Lord Jesus in His high priestly prayer said, Father, I will that they also whom Thou hast given Me be with Me where I am, that they may behold My glory, which Thou hast given me, for Thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. So we have the promise from God Himself, our Lord Jesus, that we're going to be with Him, that we may behold His glory. Pastor Don Fortner said, God who is sovereign over all history 
is sovereignly working His will in all the events of history. Note, we must never judge God's goodness in the light of His providence, but judge His providence in the light of His goodness. The object of God's providence is the spiritual eternal good of His elect. In every age there is a remnant, Pastor Fortner goes on to say, according to the election of grace, who must and shall be saved. It was true in Isaiah's day, and it is true today, and everything God does directly and indirectly is for the salvation of that elect remnant. End of quote. And I say amen. Now in closing this message, let me give you three things that all unregenerate men and women fear. And they might try to hide this fear, but it will surface eventually. The fear of death, the fear of standing before God's throne on judgment day, and the fear of eternal torment. There has been many, many, many foxhole conversions. And many of those boasted that they had no fear of death until they were looking it straight in the face. Then they changed their tune. And many of them cried out in prayer, God, if you would just save me from this awful predicament that I am in, I promise to go to church, I promise to do better, I promise to do this, I promise to do that. God spared them and went right back to their wicked way of living. But that fear of death, they don't fear God, but they fear death. And here in John chapter 11, we have every reason given to us by our Savior not to fear death. Lazarus had died. Mary and Martha were mourning mourning the death of their brother. It says in verse 19 of John 11, many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Verse 20 says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met Him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if Thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever Thou wilt ask of God, God will give it Thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? I know about you, but I believe that. I know this body has to lay down. I know this body is corrupt. It cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We cannot take our mortal bodies with us to heaven. We must put on immortality. But absent from the body is present with the Lord. Our Lord Jesus said so. These are words found in Holy Scripture. So when 
this old body lays down in death, we're going to be in the presence of our wonderful King who loved us and gave Himself for us. He that believeth on Him shall never die. We have no reason to fear death. I know we're apprehensive. I know this is something that we haven't experienced yet and it's not something we're going to just rush into by jumping out in the in front of a 19-wheeler or take our own life. I know these things are, are, are not what we will do, but I know also that if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as He has set forth in the Scriptures, He has destroyed death. He has taken the sting out of death. He has promised us, and He is able to keep His promise, that if we believe on Him according to the Scriptures, we shall never die. Be not afraid to go through that door marked death. What is waiting for God's children on the other side is eternal bliss in the presence of our King who loved us and gave Himself for us. I turn back, turn over, I should say, to Romans chapter 8. All of Adam's posterity, the whole human race will live forever. Some in eternal bliss with Christ our Savior, some in eternal torment separated from God forever. And we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of the things which we have done. And people in their unregenerate state fear that day of standing before the judgment seat of Christ. But the Word of God teaches us that perfect love casteth out fear. That all of God's children will have boldness in the day of judgment because as Christ is, Right now, as Christ is, so are we in this world. And verse 1 of Romans chapter 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation, no judgment to them which are in Christ Jesus. And the last part of that first verse does not belong there. It belongs down in verse 4. But it doesn't do any harm to it. It just doesn't belong there. The Word of God teaches in verse 1, and this is where it ends, after the word Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. No judgment. Why is that? Why is it that we will not be judged when we stand before Him? Because we were judged in our substitute and we were found guilty our God made His darling Son who knew no sin to be sin for us. And He was found guilty. Guilty. I don't understand that. How can the finite mind understand that which is infinite? But God punished His Son for my sin. The sin debt has been taken care of. God has found us in Christ without any sin because He took care of our sins, put them in the grave, and buried them out of God's sight forever. 
We have already been punished in our substitute for all of our sins. Now listen to me, and I'm speaking to the young as well as the old. You have no way of knowing when your life is going to end on this earth. You may go out of this life before this day is over. And if you're not in Christ, if your faith is not in the Lord Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures, you will go right to eternal torment where there's no escape from that. And everybody knows that. In their minds, they know. Turn over to Romans chapter, back to Romans chapter 5 and I'll bring this to a close. We know that there's only two places, either hell or heaven. We're going to be in one of those places when our life is over. The only way you can be assured of entering into eternal bliss is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures, to put your faith and your trust in Him. God will not have any mercy on anyone who refuses to bow down to His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe on Him. It says here in Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 8, God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a manifestation of God's love for His elect. He didn't die for the goats. He died for the sheep. And when we stand before Him on judgment day, the sheep will be on His right hand, the goats on His left. And He will say to the goats that are on His left, Depart from Me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. In other words, He was never intimate with them. He never knew them in a loving way. But He says to His sheep, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now, when were we ever a good and faithful servant? In Christ. In Christ. He walked perfectly, establishing a righteousness for His people. And when He died, He died the perfect substitute. He had no sin of His own, but our sins were laid on Him, all of our iniquities, and He died for the ungodly. Look at verse 8. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, listen to this, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. As Brother Ray brought out in his devotional, the word shall is an imperative. It can't be any other way. We shall, because we were justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Because He lives, we live. And so the wrath of God has already been poured out on us in our substitute. God has delivered us from the wrath to come. That's why He can say to those on His right, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And we enter into paradise, into God's eternal kingdom, into eternal bliss, because Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, because He paid the redemption price in full for all of our sins. It says in verse 10, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And so here our Savior has come out of the grave. He has sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. He's there not only... Oh, don't miss this. He's there not only as our surety, making sure that we will be delivered from 
the power of darkness and Satan and sin are brought into a living union with Himself. He's not only there seated as our surety, He's there as our sovereign Lord, making sure that all of that which He has purposed shall come to pass for His eternal glory and the eternal good of all of those that He loved and gave Himself for when He laid down His life at Calvary 2,000 years ago. What a hope that is set before us. It's like an anchor of the soul that's both sure and steadfast. That hope is Christ. And He has already entered within the veil. He has sat down and we've been made to sit in heavenly places in Him. And folks, (laughs) there is no reason whatsoever to be afraid of anything. Be not afraid is addressed to me, addressed to God's children in every generation. Jesus Christ is able to save to the uttermost those who come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. Abraham staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong in faith, giving glory unto Him, being fully persuaded that God was able to perform that which He has promised. This is the confidence all of God's children have, and the confidence is not in us. Our confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Be not afraid. Grab a hold of the truth and run with it. Embrace the truth with joy in your hearts and be a living testimony before this world of wicked men and women that it is well, no matter what our lot might be in this life, no matter if the whole world turns against us, no matter if we are going through that door, mark death, with an incurable disease called cancer, or whether we leave this life in an automobile wreck, or if we die of natural causes, it is always well with the righteous. It is well with my soul. Be not afraid. Amen.